You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome and happy Wednesday. Welcome to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. Busy day, finally got a trade in the NFL that a lot of people have been waiting for. Zion Williamson officially signs his contract, and the Astros, they just keep on winning. Producer extraordinaire, co-host with the most, James Mesh, joins me like he does each and every day. James, what's going on, bud? How are you? Not too bad. What's up, dude? Ah, man, just living the dream. Living the absolute dream each and every day. All right, let's take a look at some top headlines. Baker Mayfield gets traded from the Cleveland Browns to the Carolina Panthers for a conditional draft pick. If Baker becomes the starter, it's a fourth rounder. If he doesn't, it's a fifth rounder. Now, I know Baker has had his struggles under center, but God, from my perspective... He's only four or five years removed from being the number one overall pick. That is an awfully low return for Baker Mayfield, if you ask me. James, what do you think? Well, it's hard to make a, get a deal done whenever you know the other quarterback that they have on the roster. You already paid him guaranteed money, so you know you're trying to ship out this guy. It's not like you're going to pay a second or third rounder at worst. I mean, you're going to give them the lowest that you can and still be able to get them. And then the Browns getting even more screwed because they're going to pay $10.5 million of Baker's salary this year. Yeah, and, and the Panthers only have to pay five of it. So it, it's, it's, it's easily a win-win for the Panthers because you get Baker, you get competition. Fortunately, whenever you have two quarterbacks, you usually have none. But the guy that you brought in that usually has that chip on the shoulder, it won't, say, it won't cost a lot. Baker, Baker's got to be the starter, right? You got to believe so, especially since he's going to be pl- the Panthers are going to play the Browns week one. Right, right. That's crazy how it lines up like that, right? So Baker Mayfield now in the NFC South. A little bit later on in the show, James and I will talk about how that changes the NFC South, if at all. And then at five thirty, Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles will join us for Hoodat Wednesday. Again, kind of ask them the same questions. Training camp around the corner. We'll look at some headlines to follow for the year. Rafa Nadal wins his quarterfinal match at the U.S. Open today. He moves on to the semifinals, taking down Taylor Fritz in five sets. Meanwhile, Nick Kriegos taking down his opponent in straight sets, setting up a Kriegos-Nadal semifinal very impressive match i know that's a match that a lot of people are going to be looking forward to in london so definitely something to keep an eye on if you're a tennis fan also tommy fury the brother of the colossus tysonry is out of his august 6th fight with jake paul or with logan paul 
No, it's with Jake Paul. Reason being, no reason why. So very interesting to see how that's going to play out between Tommy Fury and Jake Paul because, again, that's another event in, in the world of sports that a lot of people were talking about and we're, we're gearing up for Jake Paul 5-0 and as a pro boxer, taking down Tyron Woodley back in December. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. Other top headlines in the world of sports, gearing up for the Scottish Open this weekend in the PGA Tour. Chris Murphy of the PGA Tour and the Action Network join us at 4.30 to discuss what happened in the John Deere Classic this past weekend and what's going to happen at the Scottish Open this weekend. James, I saw an article today, and it was talking about the Chicago Bears. And I was talking about their stadium, Soldier Field. And the mayor of Chicago has recommended that the Bears put a dome over Soldier Field. Now, my, my question is this. How complicated does it become to try to put a dome over an already constructed stadium? If I was an architect, I would know the answers. But I, that that I, seems that seems very difficult to do, especially with the shape that Soldier Field is in. Yeah, in theory, you would think, oh, you just put it over. But there's definitely a lot more little didits that you have to taken account for i i think it'll be pretty difficult to say the least they would have to rebuild parts of the stadium that is nearly a hundred years old and they would potentially have to sell naming rights in order to get the job done um according to reports 400 million dollars to 1.5 billion is what's going to be needed to put a dome on Soldier Field. God, at that point, build a new stadium. I was going to say, you might as well just start over. It's, it's going to yeah, cost about the same anyway. I know you have you the well, you have the legacy that is Soldier Field, but man, it's going to cost the same either way. I mean, why not just make it new? But then again, it's yeah. the same thing with, with uh, oh, what, I forgot the name of Wrigley. Same thing oh, yeah, with Wrigley. Wrigley like, they just keep yep. uh, renovating it. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, I get why you would want to put a dome. Obviously, you know, you take the weather out of but out of it, contingent. But then it wouldn't be the same because then you wouldn't have the Windy City games. You wouldn't have the snow games that right. that we know and love about Chicago and Chicago. Soldier Field. Yeah, I, that's interesting. I'm interested to see what they're going to do about that because this isn't the first time that they have thrown the conversation of doming soldier field before you know this is this isn't the first time that this conversation has been brought up so interested to see where that goes from here you know we last week we spent some time talking about college athletics and football conference realignment the big 12 is in talk with several pac-12 schools to maybe break up the Pac-12 after this USC-UCLA news going to the Big Ten in 2024. They're talking to schools like Oregon, Arizona, Arizona State, 
Colorado and Utah. If that's the case, I mean, the Pac-12 is down to five teams, six teams. That's not a conference anymore. Now those teams are going to have to look for a way out. They could go to the Mountain West. They could have some more go to the Big Ten. Interested to see how that's going to be. Hotline 706-0111 if you want to get on the show. Let's go to the hotline now. Jay joins the show. Jay, what's going on? Hi. Uh, I have a question about Soldier Field. So when you say, well, it's just better off building a new stadium, are you saying just replace Soldier Field, uh, Soldier Field or just build a whole new stadium all along? Well, from a, from a cost measure, if it's going to cost you – anywhere from 400 million to 1.5 billion to put a dome over what's there wouldn't it be better to build some, something brand new uh the problem is i don't know if you knew this or not i think uh soldier field is protected by uh like a historical building like it's one of those okay. buildings like a landmark historical landmark or whatever i did not know so that i think that yeah if i'm if i'm uh, if i'm mistaken i think they're protected um okay I, I could be wrong. I don't know. I just I know that stadium been there forever. So um, you're right. See, and that's and that's the problem. What you said. That's why some people. It's funny that you said this. That's why some people say. You know what? Why not? Chicago's a big city. Why not just bring in another uh, NFL team? Now, of course, you know the fans not going to allow that. <laughs> right. But uh, I guess I guess yeah. Like I said, I don't know the information on the top hand. I think that's the issue with Wrigley Field. They just can't tear it down per se. Like they can build another stadium, but. The problem is going to be is you're going to have two stadiums in, in the city for one team, you know. Yeah, that's that. that I, I didn't look at it from that perspective. If it is a landmark and they can't tear it down, you know, do you build two stadiums in Chicago? And that's I don't know if that's worth already. It. I think we answered our own question. That's going to be no. So I guess that's why right. you, like you said, you hear the call, and 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 that's a good question you ask. I'm thinking, I'm trying to think what present day stadium was just an open air stadium. Then they decide to close it up. The closest one I can think of was in Montreal. I think uh, <clears throat> when I was a kid, I remember that stadium being a dome, and the next thing you know, it was open, yep. and then they closed it back up again. Um, now, of course, that team, there's, no, there's not a base, you know, there's no major league team in that city at the moment, but I think that's like a, a, a weak example. Like, I can't, I don't have a strong one. Um but, yeah, I can't think of it right now. But, look, thank you all, and you have a good one. Thank you. Appreciate it, Jay. So I, I've just been sent some uh, some information from our guy, Raymond Parsh III. Soldier Field, home to the Chicago Bears and the oldest stadium in the National Football League, was designated as a National Historic Landmark in 1987. However, it was delisted in 2006 following an extensive renovation completed three years prior. So it was a landmark but no longer. However, would Chicago want to tear it down? Probably not. So maybe that's why they're looking at doing it this way. However, from a financial standpoint, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I, I get the history and I get, you know, the the aurora of Soldier Field, but not for $1.5 billion just to build a roof. That just seems like an awful lot of money wasted when you can get high-tech, brand-new, state-of-the-art technology. Poll question of the day up on Facebook and Twitter. What will be the next Miguez versus Mesh Sports Challenge? 
we're going to play disc golf we're going to play washers are we going to do a taste test or are we going to have some social media fun you've probably seen a trend going around TikTok of a tortilla challenge where you hold a bunch of water in your mouth and you slap each other with tortillas and try to make the other person spit it out could we do that go vote on Facebook and Twitter we'll keep it updated throughout the show let's go back to the hotline James joins the show what's going on James hey man I want to chime in on the whole stadium thing Okay. There's lots of cities that have older stadiums that build newer ones. I mean, you know, the Saints played over at, you know, the old Tulane Stadium. They could let a college team or something in, in Chicago use that, and they could build a new one, right? But yeah. when you're talking about stadiums, not everybody realizes it, but I think the Superdome has held up and stood the test of time. I think it's 50 years old, right? It was designed in the late 60s, started construction in 71, first played in in 75 and it's held up very well and it, it, it stands up against any of the modern stadiums so it was very well built you know just shout out to the superdome yeah no absolutely i mean for for a stadium of, of that technology back in 1975 it was brand new technology like you mentioned and and just for it to be able to stand the way it did is very impressive uh, I, i've said that on on numerous occasions in the past uh, James, let's go back to the poll question. If you had a preference, I know I ask you this every time we we do a uh, Miguez versus Mesh challenge poll, but uh, what would be your choice? At the moment, it would be a little fun to do that tortilla challenge since right? it's the trend right now, and I feel like if we do it in a week or two, then it'll be sale and be like, oh, wow, you're late to the trend. But overall, still favorite is washer toss. Yeah. So far, three votes on Twitter, 66% say the Tortilla Challenge, 33% are calling for the taste test. So either way, it looks like we're getting trendy as, 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 it's, as it stands so far. I mean, I know only three guys have voted, but still. Uh, once again, big show today. going to have Chris Murphy join me at 4.30 to discuss the PGA Tour. Brendan Ertle will do Who Dat Wednesday with us like he does each and every Wednesday. We're going to look at some stats around the MLB. We're going to talk about the red-hot Houston Astros. And then we'll get you set for the Astros and Royals tonight at Minute Maid Park with a 7-10 first pitch. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with a Apple Watch. All you have to do is join our brand new text club. Simply text GAME to 337-288-8100. That's GAME to 337-288-8100. Once you join, you will be eligible to win the Apple Watch, plus you will get a ton of chances to score other great prizes, like Astros tickets and much more. It's the Games Text Club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. We'll take a timeout right here. When we return, James Mesh and I will look at the Baker Mayfield trade, how that affects the NFC South. We'll also talk NBA Summer League and we'll get you set for a wild weekend on the tennis courts of Wimbledon. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and it's your home 
for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Station, your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, let's talk NFC South and, more specifically, the quarterbacks. You know, New Orleans appears to be set with James Winston. Tampa appears to be set with Tom Brady. Atlanta seems to be rolling with Marcus Mariota. But then you got a competition now in Carolina because you have Sam Darnold. You just acquired Baker Mayfield, and let's not forget, you drafted Matt Corral. Definitely, definitely. I, I, I almost feel like, arguably, Carolina was, I would have to say, the worst team in the division. But now with the Baker Mayfield trade, I feel like it, it's it's almost like a, a 3A, 3B, if you want to look at it, when it comes to them and the Falcons in the division. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and dog Marcus Mariota. However, and and I'm as a Saints fan, I'm fine with it because obviously I don't want the Falcons to win ever. But if I'm looking at it as realistically as possible, this offseason has been terrible for the Falcons in terms of a quarterback. I mean, how did you miss out on everybody? <laughs> you 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 missed out. Well, I mean, they did get Ritter in the third round, third or fourth round. Yeah, but, I mean, that's a good pickup for your future. And you had the potential of getting Deshaun Watson at the time, whenever the the trade was still hot. You missed out on Deshaun Watson. I don't think you even extended an offer to the Browns for Baker Mayfield. You probably didn't request or send a trade offer to Seattle for Russell Wilson. I mean, you Jameis Winston sat as a free agent for a month. Could have scooped him up, did nothing. Like, Andy Dalton would be a better scenario than Marcus Mariota, in my opinion. And they didn't even try to go after him either. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, do they believe that Marcus Mariota is going to be their guy? No, it's definitely a bridge thing. I think they're I think they're looking to go through this year and look to get about 3-4 wins but still have a top 3-4 pick and then draft one of the top QBs in next year's draft. I, th- I think that's the ultimate move because they did get weapons and they did retool a little bit and it's still getting better. You got Kyle Pitts, you got Cordero Patterson who just feels eternal and they they worked on the wide receivers a little bit, getting Drake Lund in the draft and then signing a couple of players. Not a great wide receiver core, but it looks a lot better than we thought it it would look like at the beginning of the offseason. So they've worked on a little bit. Defense still... Very sketchy, but if you are able to get a rookie QB, you kind of work and develop them. You improve 
throughout the next offseason, you, you could see them become a, about a, a 500 ball club so, sooner or later. So you, you're thinking Atlanta could be a 500 team. In, Carol- t- in 2023-2024? Yeah. Because th- this coming up season in 2022, 4-13, 3-14. Uh, f- like, right. Because I don't think they'll be as low as two wins, but I don't see them getting the 6-7, maybe eight wins. I I, I can't right. see it. No, I don't, I don't see it either, uh, especially not with, with a full season of Marcus Mariota. Um, I, I'd give them 5-12. and 12. Carolina, with Baker, I could see him being a 500 team. I, I could I, see I could see it being a seven and ten, um, and and that's of, of course contingent on a healthy Christian McCaffrey. It also depends on how Baker is able to step up and kind of prove himself again, because you notice it was a good year, then it was a bad year. Twenty twenty was a good year, and then last year was a bad year. Right. So it's like, can, now, are you able to get back on the good side of the trend? Now Tampa, you know they're they're interesting because you know Tom Brady is arguably the the greatest quarterback of all time. However, he's forty four years old. He's gonna be forty five when the season starts. What kind of player are we gonna see out of Brady? You know that's that's the question that I have. You, you, last year you saw him regress ever so slightly. Other than a passing yards standpoint, I mean, he put up the highest number of passing yards that he's put up in his entire career. QB rating was good. He turned the ball over a little bit more than he normally does. Which which was interesting for me, you know what what kind of Brady do do you see in Tampa Bay this year? And quite a few of the turnovers really came from games against New Orleans. Yeah, and and he looked he looked very vulnerable at times when he played teams like New Orleans. He he didn't show it very often, but he showed it a little more than he did in twenty twenty and in twenty eighteen. Because 2019 just that, that was a wash year, I would say it was just he was ready to get out of New England, but I, I would say he's still going to be a top ten QB. He'll still get you some good fantasy numbers if you're looking to get him in fantasy. But you, you might see a couple more games, like maybe one or two extra games, where you're like, are are we seeing another step being taken down by Brady since? I mean, Father Time is undefeated, but he has a he has been able to delay right. it as much as possible. Right. That that's the thing that that's going to be intriguing. You know, at 44 years old, from a passing yards perspective, he had the best year of his career: 5,316 yards through the air last season for for Tampa. The closest he had come to that was 2011 with the Patriots, when he had 5,235. So. And then the other question is weapon-wise, right? You have Mike Evans. Mike Evans is a, a high-level receiver. You have Chris Godwin, who is a good receiver, but battling injury. 
Yeah, coming off an ACL after he he tore it when uh, when was that was last that? year? It was it was last year, and it was against the Saints. When when was it that well, they that played? That was the second game. Yeah, it it was in Tampa on Sunday Night Football. I forget yeah. what the date was though. I think it was close to Christmas. Yeah, it was it was just a couple weeks before Christmas. I remember. Um, so it's still kind of fresh. You may not expect him for the first couple weeks, and even then, whenever he does get back, you still got to give him a little while to like get back to the tune of things because right. Usually, people aren't just like that and back like they were before. It takes time, right? So you have Chris Godwin, you have Mike Evans, you brought in Russell Gage, a good young receiver. You have Scotty Miller. Good, good slot guy. Miller. Yeah. Whenever he's because he, whenever they didn't have Antonio Brown, Brady did look to go to him a lot, especially that week one in 2020. You saw him get early catches. I think it was four or five in the first half or first two and a half quarters. Like Brady looked to him because he's always loved the slot guys, and that's where Scotty Miller plays. Yeah, I mean. He he's a good Scott. Uh, he's a good slot receiver. My question is: Is he going to be great? No, I, I wouldn't consider him great, but I would consider him a solid fantasy option if you are looking for somebody because he could he could get you twelve, thirteen points and more if he gets you a touchdown. So let, let's put a bow on on this segment. Baker Mayfield going to Carolina probably being the starter in Carolina, how does that change things from a Saints perspective? How does your game plan for Carolina change? I think you have to, if if you're going to start Baker, you almost have to have the offense be pertained to him and his strengths. And if you've watched film of him, usually his big plays come from him rolling out, whether it goes right or left. It really doesn't matter for him. He loves rolling out both sides. So I would expect a lot of maybe play-action play. You dump off to the tight end, even though their tight ends aren't great. You can dump it off to Christian McCaffrey, but they will like to take deep shots at times with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. I, th- I think yep. that, I think you, you have to look at the, the Cleveland film and see like, oh, Cleveland and Oklahoma film to be like, okay, what what does Baker usually like to do? He loves to run around and make plays. They usually, whenever he is successful, they do go more of a, power running scheme so you may see one of the tight ends line up a fullback and you hand it off to Christian McCaffrey which you can work with that because your defense is always really good always top five and run defense since 2017 so you can handle that you just have to make sure him running out the pocket you still stay secure defensively and not giving up the 20 yard passes going cross field or a deep shot on a post with DJ Moore because I have seen that a couple times where DJ Moore does get loose. Football season just needs to get here, right? Oh, I agree. I'm, I mean, it's just I'm it's time. It's time. The Houston Astros, winners of their last eight, definitely one of the hottest teams in baseball, and we want and we want to help you see them live in person. The game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. 
Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We'll take a timeout, and when we return, Chris Murphy of the Action Network and the PGA Tour will join us. We'll recap the John Deere Classic and JT Poston's remarkable performance and get you set for a star-studded Scottish Open. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station, your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 38 minutes after 4 o'clock here on your Wednesday afternoon. Let's talk some golf. PGA Tour going across the pond to the Scottish Open and then on to the opening Open Championship the week after that. We'll talk with Chris Murphy of the PGA Tour and the Action Network about it all. Chris, good afternoon, man. Thanks for taking the time. How are you? Good. Doing well. Back, glad to be back with you guys. Now let's start with the John Deere Classic. You know, what a performance out of JT Poston going 21 under, a three-stroke victory for Poston. And, you know, it's interesting. It's only his second victory on the tour, but this one he went wire to wire. And finishing runner-up the week before, I mean, this has been a hell of a stretch for the young man. Yeah, for sure. He uh, he has shown to be a little bit streaky, and when he has it, he has it. When he won the first time, uh, he went through the Wyndham bogey-free uh, to win that tournament, and then, like you said, he went went wire to wire and and never really looked uh, too shaky along the way. He seemed pretty well in control throughout the tournament, uh, so it was impressive to see for sure. And, and you know, with this win, he he now has entry into the Masters Players Championship and the Open in two weeks. I mean, what a what a great opportunity for Poston to really showcase his ability on the biggest stages in the world of golf. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's been a player that, um, you know, really has been known as a putter for, for quite a long time. And when he has his ball striking, he can contend. And, you know, there's no secret. It wasn't the greatest field as John Deere classic. Um, But he, you know, the way that he put it together, it it was really impressive to see him do. And, um, you know, he'll get an opportunity to kind of continue to take those next steps. And that's, that's how these uh, younger guys can kind of make it, getting that exemption when, when you win and uh, guaranteeing your, some, yourself some spots in some big events. Chatting with Chris Murphy here on Time with Miguez and Mesh. You brought up the, that the field wasn't that you know special at, at the John Deere Classic, and the reason for that is because of the J.P. McManus Pro-Am in Ireland. Now, I've, I've got to ask you, did they do a really good job of kind of keeping this thing under the radar? Because I didn't hear about it until I saw an article about Tiger having a 
77 first round. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, they they did pretty well. It, that was the first known next stop for Tiger. So um, that had come out, I guess, a few weeks back that he was going to play in this event. And then you started to hear the rumblings of, of all the top players in the world that were joining it. Um, so that, that wasn't, um, you know, a huge surprise, but it, it was certainly interesting to see all those guys at the top of the world uh, really line up to, to play in that one ahead of these next two events. Now, at that same tournament in Ireland, Jordan Spieth was disqualified after the first round. Walk us through what happened there that got Jordan Spieth disqualified. So I haven't I haven't seen the exact scenario, but my understanding is that um, you know it's a pro am event. There's a, a team aspect to it with the with the amateurs and an individual aspect to it. Um, and you know, as Tiger lovingly calls these things, the hero and some of these pro am events, a, a little bit of a hit and giggle. It sounds like uh, Spieth forgot about the individual aspect of it and scraped away a gimme putt that wasn't important for his team, uh, and that resulted in the, the ultimate DQ. Uh, so it se- seemed like a little bit of a lapse of focus, maybe from the uh, extra few rounds he took with Ricky and Justin Thomas uh, the week before. Chatting with Chris Murphy here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. So now we look ahead to the Scottish Open this weekend in North Berwick. You know, this has kind of become a, a bigger tournament on the tour at, o, over the last couple of years. You know, walk us through this tournament and, and who's to look out for and what can we expect out of the Scottish Open. Yeah, absolutely. So this is the first year that they are doing it as a co-sanctioned event. So it is it is an even or fairly evenly split field between the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour as a way to you know, really attract some of the, the bigger names. So that's um, really part of the reason for having so so many here. The other reason is they got uh, the last major of the year up ahead of them next week, and a lot of them like to get acclimated. Um, and and so this one is at, at the Renaissance Club in Scotland. It is a, a link-style course with really the protection being the wind. Right now it doesn't look like anything crazy. In fact, today... Uh, Wednesday over there um, was really the the heaviest winds that it looks like all week, and it looks like it's gonna gonna die down a little bit. So I I'm kind of expecting a birdie fest. Um, it certainly can change on a dime uh, over over in Scotland in terms of the weather. So that's gonna be the the thing to watch. But uh, you know your all the big names are are really there. The guy that I'm interested to see and that I think uh, could come come from longer odds than we're used to seeing him at is Colin Morikawa. If you remember last year, he played in this event, didn't play great, um, you know, even came afterwards and, and said that he just didn't like the way his irons were feeling through the turf, and he made some changes ahead of the Open Championship and went out and won the Open Championship. Uh, I'd like to think that he's going to make those changes ahead of time now and, and be ready for the Scottish. Um, and, you know, he was really one bad round away uh, from from having a, a really good chance to capture his third major championship at the U.S. Open. That 77 on Saturday really just crushed him, but he bounced back with one of the rounds of the day on Sunday, uh, and I think he's really close to breaking through for what is shockingly would be his first win of the year. 
Now looking at this, looking at this field, looking at this tournament, obviously a lot of these guys want to go in and, and treat this tournament, you know, as a big deal because, like you said, this is the first time that it's co-sanctioned between both the PGA and the DP World Tour. However, I have to think that there's some guys that are really just using this tournament as a tune-up for St. Andrews next week. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's always in, in the back of your mind. It, it's really hard to predict where the motivation is. You know, the good thing about Link style is that these guys are, uh, at least from coming from the States, are coming over and trying to make sure to kind of learn how to play it, how to get a little bit creative. It's part of the reason I think that you see Jordan Spieth so successful uh, over here almost every single year. Even in his down years, he was posting, you know, top 20s, top 10s at the um, – at the Open Championship, he just has that creative mindset where you're, you know, trying to play the terrains and and looking, you know, playing playing things on the ground and, and rather than up and and having that skill set. And I think there is a, a certain mindset that it takes to play a little different style of game uh, over here. So there there'll be certainly some of that, uh, but it's it's a a really good tune up for a place like St Andrews where you've got the wide fairways and. Um, you know, the, the link style aspect of it. John Rahm, Justin Thomas, and Scotty Scheffler, the top three betting favorites. I know you mentioned Colin Morikawa. Give me a guy that's sitting in the middle of the field, you know, maybe Jordan Spieth at plus 3,000 or Victor Hovland at plus 3,500 that you're really looking out for this weekend. Yeah, and that, that's exactly where I went is, um, is with Colin Morikawa and Jordan Spieth. Um, and for a lot of the reasons that I highlighted, he, um, you know, always seems to find it on, on the league style. And I think he's going to be, you know, really ready to play this week and, um, and, and looking for the, the fact that he can play in any style. So if the wind does kick up, I, I trust Jordan Street to, to kind of be able to narrow in and focus on what he needs to do. But he can also put it together. He's still one of the top party makers um, on tour and, and he's right there, too, uh, with the potential for the for a win this week. Chris Murphy of the Action Network joining us. So, Chris, I've, I've got to ask you, and I know you're probably tired of answering questions like this, but LIV, the drama continuing between the LIV and the PGA Tour, the latest thing being Billy Horschel calling the guys that defected over to LIV hypocrites. What did he mean by that? Where do you stand on that? You know, just kind of walk us through that scenario. Yeah, I mean, I think most of what he's talking about is that you've got these guys that go into press conferences for the uh, for the Live Tour and say that, um, you know, they want to play less golf and that that was part of the attraction to, to going over there. Well, then they're also the same guys that are, uh, disputing the their um, denial of entry to the Scottish Open, they ended up winning that dispute, and so there were they've actually expanded the field from 156 to 160 to not take the spots away from uh, the guys on either of the sanctioned tours, um, but also to allow those four golfers in. And I think that's really where it's coming from. And you know, we're unfortunately just at the beginning of all this. It's all going to continue to bubble up, especially. Um, as we go forward and they continue to protest and try to get into events. And if they start taking uh, spots from other players and, you know, the, the potential for money, you know, and I think probably locker room and behind closed doors, it's probably going to be uh, e- even worse from that scenario. Um, 
So it's it's unfortunately just the start of things, and it's going to be you know it's really hard to say where where this ends or where it stops um, because we're only two two events into to that side of things. Chris Murphy of the PGA Tour and the Action Network joining us here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. Chris, really appreciate your time and insight as always, and hopefully uh, you can join us again next week to preview the Open Championship. Yeah, happy to do it. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Chris. All right, bye-bye. There he goes. Chris Murphy of the Action Network. Let's update the poll question really quickly. What will be the next Miguez versus Mesh Sports Challenge? So far, 50% say the Tortilla Challenge, 33% say Disc Golf, and 16.7% say Taste Test. Ton chimes in saying Dad Joke Challenge. Bad jokes and you can't laugh. Bonus if you get people to call in to tell jokes. See, James, I told you we should do that. That was my idea. I'll give you credit. You, you can have that one. We, we should have put that in there. That's fine. We'll put it in our back pocket. We'll save it because, um, you know, dad jokes never get old, right? <laughs> Anyways, the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win some excellent prizes. Try a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou. $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. The only way to score these great prizes, you have to join the clubhouse. 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's super simple. So sign up today. We'll take one last time out. Wrap up hour number one on the other side. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. So... Real quick, we have a we have a couple minutes before our number one ends. James, I'm going to pose a question to you, and I'd love to get your input. If you are the general manager of an NBA team today, who would you rather have, LeBron or Kevin Durant? Hmm. Is there neither option? <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you don't want either one of them, for sure. I'd I'd rather not have to start my franchise with a 37-year-old and a 34-year-old who really doesn't make his teammates better. I'd I'd rather go in a different direction, but that's just my person. Now, if you ask me who would I rather five years ago, LeBron. I would take LeBron even though I can't stand him. But I know he's, he's he's able to take us to a championship at the least. It's interesting. Um, I, I would probably go neither, uh, if I had to pick one though, right now I'd probably go Kevin Durant. I'd rather go LeBron. Just because of his ability to score? His scoring ability is great, but like I said, I mean, looking at looking at his teammates, I, when has he ever been on a team where he makes the team better or whenever he leaves? 
you're absolutely if, right. if you notice like trends it, it, it's just he he's just like Kyrie they're both iso street ballers that's that's pretty much what they are yep you're absolutely right um I, I saw that on Twitter earlier and I thought it was rather interesting to to uh to pose that question but you know uh, again I I agree with you I don't think that Kevin Durant makes his teammates better and LeBron LeBron's a com- more of a all-around player, but man, th- just the way Kevin Durant's able to score a basketball is uh, it- it's impressive to to say the least. Hour number two, we're going to talk Zion. We're going to talk his contract details. He signed his contract officially today. We'll dive into that. We'll talk some MLB. We will talk the McNeese Cowboys, and then at five thirty, Brendan Ertel of Canal Street Chronicles will join us to do. Who that Wednesday like he does each and every Wednesday right here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. As a reminder, hotline wide open, 706-0111. If you want to get in on the show and in Acadiana, you can watch the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Hour number two coming up after this top of the hour sub date. Right here on the game, 103.7, last yet, 104.1, Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of two right here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh here. Hour number one, we touched on the top stories in the world of sports. We touched on Baker Mayfield changing the landscape of the NFC South. And we talked a lot about the PGA Tour. Now, let's do a quick reset. Astros taking down the Royals last night by a score of 9-7 to to win their eighth straight. They will look to make it nine tonight against the Royals. 7-10 first pitch, Christian Javier against Brad Keller. Keller 3 and 9 on the year with a 4.24 ERA in 85 innings. Javier 6 and 3 with a 2.58 ERA in 69 and 2 thirds innings. He also has 95 strikeouts on the year, 13 of those coming in his last appearance. Jordan Alvarez leads the Astros in every major batting category, 25 home runs. He has an average of 313, 58 RBIs. He has an on-base percentage of 4. 13 for the Astros. He hit home run number 25 last night in the 9-7 win after throwing out, ending the inning on a major throw to the plate from the outfield to end that inning and then immediately followed it up with a solo shot to left to make it to 9-6. And then in the ninth, the Royals would get a run scored off of it. Andrew Benatendi single again recap the top stories the big 12 in deep discussion to add six pack 12 teams 
to the Big 12 after USC and UCLA announced they are heading to the Big 10. What does that mean for the Pac-12? You know, does the Pac-12, are they able to bring in some Mountain West schools and keep the Pac-12 alive? Or do those remaining schools from the Pac-12 just say, okay, you know, we'll go to the Mountain West, we'll go to the Big Ten, we'll go to the Big 12, and, you know, disband the Pac-12. That's it's interesting to see how that's going to happen, but, you know, we talked about it last week, and we'll talk about it again later this week. That's just where we're at. You know, college football is going to that super conference type of model. So, interesting to see what happens there. Anyways, let's get back to the Houston Astros. We have some post-game audio from head coach Dusty Baker, and Dusty Baker said it numerous times last night. Last night's game was strange, but they're just happy to have the win. Well, you know, I mean, he's, it's, it all goes back to work. You know, I mean, he's worked on it. And, you know, he's worked on his defense a lot. You know, he's out there every day working. I still got to kind of protect him to keep him strong and, uh, you know, DH him more than or equal to playing him because we certainly can't lose this guy in the lineup. You know, uh, but I tell you, that was, uh, like I said, it was a strange, strange game, but I'm just glad we won. Also, touched on the performance of Alex Bregman, who had a two-run home run last night and has really found his groove at the plate. Yeah, I mean, like I, I mean, like I said before, Alex has been swinging good for a couple weeks now, you know, and so, and water, you know, seeks his own level. I mean, there were, you know, there were times when he was hitting the ball hard and getting nothing to show for it, and now he's getting stuff to show for it. You know, quite as kept. I mean, he's like third on our team in ribbies. I think he has 40-something ribbies now, and he's knocking on 250. So, you know, sky's, sky's the limit, and uh, he's going up in all departments. To the same sentiment, Alex Bregman spoke with the media about his plate approach. I feel great. Um, you know, just trying to swing a good pitch as a hit and put good swings on them and. Yeah, just looking for pitches that are in the strike zone to swing at and not swing at balls that are a few inches below the zone like my last at bat. Now let's do a big play summary for the Astros, and we will start in the bottom of the fifth where Jeremy Pena delivered with a solo shot to center field. First pitch. And Jeremy rockets one out to left center field and deep. It sends back Benatendi looking up, and that ball is in play, and it kicks all the way over toward right center, and now they say it's a home run. Jeremy Pena goes deep to left center, just below the Phillips 66 home run porch, and the Astros tie the game at four. Pena's 12th home run of the year. Astros been playing a lot of comeback ball recently, you know, just mentioned 4-2 to two in the third. They tied it in the fifth with that Pena home run. And then two batters later, after Jordan Alvarez reaches base, here comes Alex Bregman. First pitch. Breaking ball, and that's hammered deep to left center field. It sends back Benatendi. See you later! Into the Landry's Crawford boxes. Alex Bregman's third hit is a two-run homer. And the Astros lead for the first time today, 6-4. to four. Ten homers for Bregman, sitting on the slider, inner third. 
And when he pulls it to that side, that's good signs for Alex. Bregman with the home run, his 10th of the year, 6-4 to four Houston leads. The Royals would follow up with an RBI single in the 7th to make it 6-5. In the bottom of the 7th, Yuli Gurriel would reach base, and Alidmus Diaz would give the Astros a little more insurance. Diaz playing first base for the Astros tonight. Here's the pitch. Rifled, left field, and deep. Diaz does it. Fourth homer of the season for Alidmus. On his third hit of the ball game, the Astros lead by three. Eight to five in the seventh. In the top of the eighth, the Royals would draw a bases loaded walk to send in another run to make it eight to six. And the they ended that inning on that great throw by Jordan Alvarez from left field to the plate to get the third out. And then immediately in the bottom half, Jordan Alvarez put the game on ice. 2-1 is hit in the air, deep to left center. It sends back Benatendi onto the warning track in front of the visitors' bullpen, and it's gone! Just into the Landry's Crawford boxes for Jordan Alvarez's 25th home run of the year. And the Astros' lead is 9-6. Second straight day that Alvarez has gone deep. Throw so you out at home plate, hit a late home run. Jordan Alvarez these days is doing a little bit of everything. How about the MVP chance from Minute Park Faithful? And actually, I, I missed a clip from Robert Ford and Steve Sparks. Talked about that long throw from Jordan to the plate to end that bases loaded opportunity for the Royals. Here is Robert Ford and Steve Sparks. 1-1. One, one. And that's lifted to left, playable for Alvarez. This should be deep enough to score the run. Alvarez to his right makes the catch, tagging Dozier from third. The throw goes all the way home, the slide, and Dozier's out! Excellent throw by Jordan Alvarez, and that ends the inning! Big man showing off the gun in left field with a wry smile as he jogs in. Alvarez was maybe two steps from the warning track in left field. And threw a strike to home to get Dozier and in the inning. Royals will not challenge. They do get a run in the frame, but it could have been a lot worse. And lastly, in the ninth, Astros ready to seal the deal. Here's the final call of the game-winning strikeout. Oh, okay. All good. So, Astros again, 9-7 to seven winners here over the Kansas City Royals, Luis Garcia getting the win. Six and a third, five earned runs, seven strikeouts, and he gave up a walk. Zach Greinke dealt the loss, drops to two and five. Five innings pitched, six earned, two Ks, two walks. And Rafael Montero getting the save, one inning, only one earned. He struck out two with the win. The Astros improved to 53-27, and 27, while the Royals fall to 29-50. and 50. They'll do it again tonight, 7-10. Pre-game beginning at 6.40 right here on the game. James, let's talk NBA Summer League now and really the name that has taken over the NBA headlines over the last 12 or so hours, Chet Holmgren. 23 points, hit four threes, and set a NBA Summer League record with six blocks. 
You love to I mean, see it. I mean, it obviously helps that you're seven foot, but good lord, six shots in a game. That is insane numbers from the rookie. Especially with it being a debut. It's not like he's a seasoned vet or anything. It's a, it, was a, it, was a, it was a debut. And it, and it was hilarious. I don't know if you'd seen the clip, but I remember watching late, I was, late last night. I was on Instagram, and he was being interviewed. And he was like, six? That, that, that's all it took for the record? Oh, I'm going I'm to break that soon. Don't worry. <laughs> going to break gonna break your own record? Yeah, going to break your own record a couple days later. That's what a what a guy. Definitely looking forward to see what, what a guy like Chet Holmgren can do in the NBA. Once again, the Pelicans begin their summer league journey in Las Vegas Saturday night at 9 o'clock. They will take on the Portland Trailblazers. To give you a update from around the world of Major League Baseball, the Detroit Tigers taking down the Cleveland Guardians today 8-2. to The Cubs taking down the Brewers 2-1. to in the bottom of the ninth, the Blue Jays lead the Oakland A's 2-1. to And in extras, the Chicago White Sox take down the Minnesota Twins 9-8 to by way of a RBI single. Now, this was a home run battle, James. You had one, two, three home runs from the White Sox, and then you had... One, two, three home runs from the Twins. I mean, just a home run barrage in this game. Once again, 9-8. to eight. The White Sox win at home in that one. Let's look at the MLB statistical leaders. Batting average, Luis Arreras from the Twins, 346. Wins, Logan Gilbert, Justin Verlander, and Tony Gosselin tied at 10. Home runs, Aaron Judge at 29, while Kyle Schwarber and Jordan Alvarez both sit at 25. Earned run average, Tony Goslin, 1.54 for the Dodgers. Pitcher Shane McClanahan close behind at a 1.74. Polar Bear Pete Alonzo leads the league and leads Major League Baseball and runs batted in with 69. Saves Josh Hader from the Brewers, 25. Strikeouts, Shane McClanahan. 133 stolen bases. John Bertie already has 25 on the season. And Framber Valdez leads the league in quality. Starts getting his 14th just a few days ago. Again, Baker Mayfield traded to the Panthers for a 2024 conditional pick. There was a rumor circulating that maybe the Panthers would look to move on from Sam Darnold, but according to the Panthers, they have no intention of trading Darnold. Good move or bad move, Panthers, James? Uh, I think either way you're going to have to pay for it because you're going to have a dead cap hit. I, I think you ultimately just hold on to him anyway. No one's going to want to trade for him this late in the offseason, especially since he's not a big name. So you might as well just sure. hold on, hold on to him and just bite the bullet. Just save yourself some time and don't stress about it. It's true. Very, very, very true. Uh, Zion Williamson, 22nd birthday today. He does officially sign his five-year, $193 million contract extension with the New Orleans Pelicans. And there were a lot of question marks about the fine details of this contract. 
Was it going to be four years with a fifth-year player option? Or was it going to be five years straight up? Well, Dave Griffin announced today it is five years straight up, no player option, no team option in there as well. Huge for the Pelicans to lock this guy up for the next five years. And at, at a price tag that for a player of his caliber is is, is pretty reasonable in, in, in today's NBA, right? No doubt. No doubt. Definitely a, a big move by the Pelicans. Because, you know, for most of the last couple of months, all you've heard is, you know, New Orleans isn't a basketball city. Nobody wants to be there. That's why Anthony Davis left. And now we can put all of that nonsense to bed. Zion Williamson here long term. Brandon Ingram here long term as well. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a brand new Apple Watch. That's right, all you have to do to win is join our brand new text club. Simply text GAME to 337-288-8100. That's GAME to 337-288-8100. Once you join, you will be eligible to win an Apple Watch, plus have a ton of chances to score some other great prizes, like Astros tickets and much more. It's the GAME's brand new text club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Take a time out right here when we return. We'll talk a little bit of McNeese football. We will talk some more about the world of the NFL. And we'll get you set for Who Dat Wednesday at 530 with Brendan Ertle. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And it's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 6, 1989. Saints president and general manager Jim Finks, the only candidate, falls just short of being elected to replace Pete Rozelle as NFL commissioner. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Crunch time with Miguel Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. 522 here on your Wednesday afternoon. Let's talk a little bit McNeese Cowboys first-year head coach Gary Goff looking to take over the Cowboys football program, and he's doing so by bringing in some big-name transfers. And not necessarily big-name as of you know guys that have made an impact at their previous school, but coming from big-name institutions like Kobe Duru, a 6'2 wide receiver from San Diego State, or Cam Ransom, a sophomore quarterback from Georgia Southern. You also have a Kansas transfer, some Southern Miss transfers in there as well a defensive back from San Jose State, and Malik Welch. Walker Wood, obviously a big name, and Knox Kadem, two big names in the quarterback room. Wood from Kentucky and Kadem from Virginia Tech. Again, big names from big schools that Gary Goff has been able to bring in. Ben Renfro as well, a sophomore from the University of Utah, a 6'1", 199-pound wide receiver. This is a young, 
yet very talented McNeese group. A lot of local products, a lot of East Texas, Southwest Louisiana. You, know, you got a lot of Karen Crow, you got a lot of Baton Rouge, you got a lot of Houston. You know, those kinds of guys staying close to home, playing for a good coach staff, playing for a good program at McNeese. Definitely looking forward to seeing what Gary Goff's able to do in his first year. Another guy coming from a big-name school, place kicker Garrison Smith, a true freshman from Ohio State, 5'10", 150 pounds. Uh, definitely good size for a place kicker to uh, to fit in at a school like McNeese. Clearly not fitting in very well in Columbus. But, you know, that happens, right? That's why the transfer portal has become a thing, you know, to, to give these guys who, you know, don't quite fit in their programs the opportunity for a fresh start, the opportunity to continue their career elsewhere. South Carolina product, Will Rogers, 6'4", 300 pounds on the defensive line. Redshirt Jr. still has two years of eligibility left for Gary Golf. Coming out of the SC, definitely going to bring a lot of talent and a lot of experience to this young group. You know, if you're a Nice fan or if you're just a football fan in general, you know, this is a program to watch out for. Gary Goff's done some good things in his career. He's going to do some good things at McNeese, and he's already started by, like like we just spent some time talking about, bringing in high-quality athletes that just haven't quite fit in at the spots that they were at previously. So again, look out for McNeese and the Southland. I think they're going to make a lot of noise. I think that they're going to do a lot of things really, really well. Another guy they brought in on the defensive line, Cajuns fans might know his name, Masri Maypew, a six foot five, two hundred and seventy pound defensive lineman. He is a transfer from the University of Louisiana. He's another guy that could find a place at McNeese because he didn't quite fit in at the University of Louisiana. Some more top stories in the world of sports. James, I know we've been talking a lot of basketball, but man, looking at the Lakers, they signed Thomas Bryant. And no, Thomas Bryant is not related to Kobe. But they do have two rookies on their team that are related to some NBA legends. And that is Sharif O'Neal, the son of Shaquille O'Neal, and Scotty Pippen Jr. I don't have to tell you who his dad is. You know, those two guys teaming up with LeBron, you know, last names really kind of looming large in that Lakers locker room. What kind of players, James, do you think that Thomas Bryant, Sharif O'Neal, and Scottie Pippen Jr. can be for the Lakers? Hopefully they can be contributors. I'm not sure how likely that would be, but because I, I know a lot of people are talking about how Sharif probably won't even make the roster. I don't know... Maybe we may see something out of Scotty Pippen Jr. like how we see with Gary Payton the second. We we may be able to see something like that, but I, I haven't seen enough of Pippen Jr. enough to feel confident to say anything. But I do know I remember seeing on Twitter if we're if we're playing basketball on a last name basis, the Lakers are winning the championship. 
Right. <laughs> right. I mean, James O'Neill Bryant Pippen. I mean... GG. GG? Yeah, <laughs> GG. Right. Yeah, you know, that that would be... It, I'm interested to see what Scottie Pippen Jr. is going to be able to do in the league. You know, having the same exact name as your father. You know, pe- people like to talk about Bronny. LeBron James Jr. You know, what, what kind of career is he going to have in the league? With shadow of his father looming over him. You know, I, I, th- those kind of stories are always interesting to see how they play out. Um, so interested to see what that's going to be like over the next couple of years. James Brody Lejeune comes in on Twitter and says, do you guys have any plans for fantasy football leagues again this year? I think we're still in the talks of it. We're trying to figure out the details, but I would presume we are going to do another one. I mean, I would like to. Uh, I would I would like to continue my fantasy football dominance into the game realm. Uh, define, James, define dominance. Uh, we've played seven years. I've won four championships. Okay. All right. Okay. It's not, that's not bad. So, yeah, I mean, and one time I finished second. Not not bragging, but... Do you, you, play, do you play Gophers? Who are you playing <laughs> do against? Do you play Gophers? I'm playing against my friends. Oh, that's why. Who, uh... uh <laughs> Who, who apparently aren't very good at fantasy football. <laughs> Seems like it. If, if Matt's if winning all the championships against Right, right. Matt's handling business. Let's see who's what's going to be the next Miguez versus Mesh challenge. James Disc Golf and Tortilla Challenge are tied. 42.9% with 14% asking for the taste test on Twitter. And then on Facebook... Do we have any comments on the Facebook poll question? No, we do not. So, the only data we have is the one on Twitter, and so far we're deadlocked between Disc Golf and Tortilla Challenge. Honestly, I'd be down either way. Uh, I I think Tortilla Challenge would be better content, but uh, Disc Golf could be fun. The only thing with Disc Golf, I I don't have any discs. I don't know about you. No, that's easy. That's easy. You'd you'd go buy some? $5 on Amazon Prime. That's easy. (laughs) Um, we we could make like we can make light work. Get it uh, get it in that. by get it in by Sunday, and we'll do it Sunday. <laughs> oh Lord, the Houston Astros is one of the hottest teams in baseball, and we want to help you see them live in person. The game 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse 1037thegame.com. 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. We'll take a time out when we return. Who that Wednesday with our guy Brendan Ertle giving you everything you need to know on the New Orleans Saints. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. He's going to go. Touchdown, Saints. Who's ready for some New Orleans Saints talk? We are. Here is Who Dat Wednesdays with Canal Street Chronicles' Brendan Ertle on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Brendan Ertle, what's going on, my guy? What's up, guys? Doing good, doing good. 
Glad to be back on. So, Baker Mayfield going to the Carolina Panthers. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, really interesting move. I mean, kind of a move that, you know, it's been a long time coming. Uh, they discussed this on the draft. It wasn't as nearly as much as um, compensation, compensation-wise as it came to be today. Uh, but it felt like he was either going to be the Panthers or the Seahawks. And I think the Panthers are a little bit more eager to win now. I mean, there's lots of coaches on that staff and, you know, people in the organization that their jobs are on the line. It's not just, you know, about being competitive is for their jobs and likelihoods. So they had to find a way to be competitive. And I think, you know, it's going to be that roster is not really built to really compete in the NFC South or in the NFC at all. I, I don't know, you know, how successful they'll be with Baker, but I think he will be probably their best quarterback they've had since Cam's first, you know, obviously MVP stint with the Panthers. I mean, after that, they had Teddy Bridgewater, you know, Kyle Allen. They had, you know, obviously Sam Darnold. I think that you're getting a lot more in Baker than you are with those other quarterbacks. So, I mean, a solid move for them this late in the process, finding your starting quarterback for the season is pretty insane. And, you know, the circumstances that they're in, I'm glad that we're not in the same situation. Now, you know, talking about the the Baker Mayfield deal, you know, you said that you're glad that we're not in their situation. How do you think the Jameis Winston deal is looking now, now that Baker Mayfield has entered the room that is the NFC South? Uh, yeah, and the NFC South in general, quarterback-wise, is, is a really, really odd situation. I was talking about this earlier. It's even more odd that there's four the four starting quarterbacks in the NFC South. Uh, three of them are Heisman Trophy winners, and Tom Brady is not one of them. So definitely three quarterbacks with you know tons of uh, a really good resume, but for some didn't really translate as it should. Uh, for Baker, obviously, it was a super cheap deal for Carolina, and that's the only reason that this got done. I don't think it was ever going to get done unless. You know, Baker kind of changed that deal for them, and the Cleveland Browns ate some of that salary, and, I mean, they did, and it's, I think, around four and a half that the Panthers had to pay, which for a starting quarterback, whether he sucks or not, is super cheap. So I think that's a good deal for them. And, you know, moving forward, I, I, I don't know if he'll be the guy for the future, but for now, I think he's your best bet. And this late in the process, again, you know, they have Sam Darnold, Matt Corral, and Baker Mayfield. So not the best quarterback room, but, you know, definitely not – the worst, but it's a situation, yeah, that I think the Jameis deal now is looking very, very good. I'd rather have Jameis at, you know, what we gave him than Baker at, than at, at four. Um, you know, Sean Payne was a big fan of Baker coming out of college, but just hasn't really translated, and his past season was rough. I think you can win with him with a good roster, but I don't think he's going to be, you know, the reason that you do win a Super Bowl. you got to have a, you got to have a really, really good roster around him. Chat with Brendan Ertle here on Canal Street Chronicles or of Canal Street Chronicles here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Jameis Winston was seen throwing today with a knee brace on, you know, for him to be at that level to where he's able to put a brace on and, and almost be back on the field in a full capacity, you know, this close to the year. How big is that? I mean, it's huge. Uh, and if you didn't see it, he was throwing in the rain as well. The rain is something that you know can be a major issue for a quarterback, uh, especially coming off an injury like that. 
the the knee brace I'm not too concerned about. He did say earlier that he would play with it if it, you know, if it was an issue, it w- wouldn't be because of the knee brace. So I'm not too worried about, you know, him playing with the knee brace or not playing with it. And, you know, there's tons of linemen that wear knee braces just because and it's pre- prevention of a serious injury again. So uh, it was cool to see him just out there, you know, with a new haircut, uh, throwing in the rain without the brace, just showing that he can move without it. It's pretty, pretty cool. And uh, the strides he's made in recovery, I think going forward for training camp, I mean, I don't, I don't mind him wearing it at all. I don't think it's an issue. He's not, you know, Lamar Jackson. It's not like he's going to restrict him from doing what he already did before. So, uh, knee brace is not really a big thing, and to see him, you know, not limping around is pretty cool as well. So, I think you know his rehab is going well, and it's really good to see him out there. Now, what are some headlines that you're looking at heading into training camp? We talked about this yesterday a little bit. You know, one thing that I've seen a lot of people discussing is that the Saints are being referred to as the people's team. What do you make of that? Uh, You know, there's tons of questions still to be answered, Uh, one of them being the left tackle position, and there's tons of other competitions going around as well. Uh, This definitely is still one of the most talented rosters in the NFL, especially in the NFC, Uh, this talent from top to bottom. And, you know, it's been one of the best, built around teams, you know, in a little bit for them. So being the people's team, I mean, I don't care too much about, you know, America's team and whatnot, but we do have the players that, you know, the media likes, the people like, you know, Tyron Matthews, a people's person, Jarvis Landry, a people person, Jameis is definitely a people's person. So it's a fun roster and something that we haven't really had, you know, in years past with all these characters and these fun leadership guys and, you know, you go back and watch Hard Knocks with Jarvis in the locker room and uh, Tyron Matthew in a series as well, you know, being that leader in the, in the locker room. And there's definitely some characters on this team, Cam Jordan being one of them, you know. I think it's going to be a really fun training camp. And, you know, there's tons of really, really key matchups that we haven't really been able to see much without pads that will kind of come to light in a few weeks here. I know the offseason still has a good ways to go before we get underway next month. But to this point, grade Dennis Allen's offseason as first first offseason as Saints head coach. Yeah, and the thing I'll say is, I mean, I talked about this a little bit this week. Uh, the way the offseason started, it was like, this sucks. You know, you lose Sean Payton, you lose Tron Armstead, you lose Marcus Williams, and Dennis Allen goes firing. He's like, I want to go get a quarterback that, you know, is generational and they try to get Deshaun Watson, and thankfully they miss out on him, and they go get Jameis, and it definitely hasn't been, you know, the best offseason in Saints history, but it's definitely been, you know, the comeback offseason in Saints history, you could say. Um, but, yeah, I like I like how aggressive he is. You know, Sean Payton was more of uh, confident in what he could do coaching-wise and, you know, didn't really necessarily go get the free agents that we wanted, uh, per se. He always went out for the big-ticket guys every year, but always – you know, had the struggles getting them. Uh, but Dennis, super aggressive, and it's not like he, he whiffed too many times. You know, he brought in super, super talented guys that, you know, when you're a defensive-minded head coach, you bring in guys that you know you can't stop on offense, and that's guys like Jarvis, Chris Olave, and, you know, Co and surrounding him. So I really liked the first offseason by Dennis Allen. I thought I was going to see more of a conservative approach just because the way the roster already built and the culture is there. But, you know, he's – D.A. is a little, little – 
little fiery man. Like he he'll do he'll do what he needs to do. And um, saw he's having dinner with all the DBs and such, and uh, the past couple of days and hanging out with the guys. So he he's definitely you know a players coach. He loves the players. He gets along well with the players. Um, learning all their lingo and stuff. And so I I think it's cool to see Da you know kind of be aggressive and do really well in his first offseason. Now, talking about big names and characters in the locker room, you know, you talked about Tyron Matthew, you talked about Jarvis Landry, you bring in a guy like Chris Olave, you know, who are you looking at from a new player perspective in New Orleans to really step up and make an impact early on? You know, so that's an interesting question because last year, I felt like we were looking for an identity the whole year, and the thing that's been iconic with Saints football has kind of been the pregame huddle and who's kind of led that. After Drew Brees left, it was, you know, it was by committee. It was DeMario Davis one game. It was C.J. Gunnar Johnson the next game. It was Quan, You know, it was Jameis. Uh, I think that's going to come with, you know, playing with this roster a little bit more and who becomes, the, you know, the vocal leader in the locker room. But I think that having Jameis in the locker room for the entire year, hopefully, you know, he was here for five, six weeks. And having a quarterback coming in and out the door, having different quarterbacks, you know, in every meeting, it's hard to really get an identity. And, I mean, I've played on teams where quarterbacks, you know, are subbed in and this quarterback by committee. And it's just hard to rally around a team like that where you just don't really know who the leader is. And I think having a full, healthy roster, you know, no COVID issues, no injuries. I mean, of course, injuries will come, but never again will it be like last year. I mean, knock on wood, uh, we never have 66 different starters in the NFL season. Uh, but I think just being in the locker room, you know, having training camp, uh, having preseason games with this whole group is going to be important. I think having a new head coach as well is going to be important. And, you know, you watch these guys in the locker room, you know, Alante Taylor's a big, a big talker, you know, he, he's fun to be around. And you watch these Instagram lives of the Saints players in the locker room. You kind of just can see who the vocal guys in the locker room are. And it's kind of the people you'd assume is, you know, it's the Cams, it's the CJs, you know, guys like that. And I think that um, not having one defined leader like Drew is not a bad thing. I mean, they have multiple leaders in, in every position group, and I think that's going to, you know, benefit them a lot come, you know, the later stretches in the year. Do you think the Saints have one of the top rosters in the NFL? Absolutely. Top to bottom. I mean, you look at every single position, and you look at the NFC especially. You know, the quarterbacks, you got to say Jameis isn't, you know, he's not – top three in the NFC, but, you know, he's, I think he's knocked on top 10, top 15 in the NFC. But defensive-wise, I think, you know, I could argue they have the best defense in the NFC. The Rams are up there. Uh, the Bucks are definitely up there in talent. But it, it's, it's kind of insane how this Saints roster can just find ways to get depth. And they're deep at so many positions. Um, but I, I, I think it'd be unfair to just write them off. And I think – they're, they're a sleeper team right now. And, you know, Vegas has them at, what, seven and a half, eight, nine wins. I think it's unfair to put them at that. I think 10, 11, a fair number in what Jameis showed in year one with the Saints, you know, being the starter and what they've added. It's just kind of incredible. And seeing, you know, Mike Thomas out there running routes, finally full speed. I, I think this is a team that can compete, not for a wild card swap, but for, you know, one of those top four seeds. And the Bucks, I mean, you got to worry about winning your division first. That's the main thing. And, you know, the Panthers, I don't think so. And the, the Falcons, I don't think so. so I think it's really going to be a two-man race 
And what did the Bucks do to get better? I mean, they lost Gronk. They lost some of their pieces. They, you know, they drafted well. They always draft well. But they didn't do anything better to, you know, take that next step. And the Saints did. So we'll see. Last question ever so briefly for you, Brendan Ertle. Give me your thoughts on Zion officially signing his rookie extension. I mean, I'm stoked. I'm super happy. Uh, you, I watched that interview, and just Zion is such a it, – it's, it's kind of weird just to see him talk because I just can't stop smiling. He's just one of those guys where you see him in a room and he, he's smiling, you're smiling. He's, just, he's such a happy guy. And the way the contract is set up is the NBA is a lot different than NFL in terms of contracts. And having that, you know – max deal you always have that player option at the end it's either a team option a player option or you don't have it at all and uh we were talking about that you know Pell's twitter just in general like is it a player's option at the, is in that fifth year and they came out and said no it's it's nothing it's a five-year deal it's, he wants to be here that that I mean bi did that as well uh he committed to those five years and now Zion commits to those five years and um that's huge that's it's huge for the Pelicans is huge for, you know, Zion. He wants to be here. And I think that's a lot of Zion saying, like, hey, I, I mean, I've heard the rumors. The rumors aren't true. You know, there were some ups and downs for sure. There always is. But I want to be here. And he thinks that he can win a championship here. And I think it was cool to see him, you know, say, don't worry about the team option, the player option. Let me just have those five years. And, you know, now they have B.I. and uh, Zion locked up for those. Uh, those max deals and you know they're working on something with CJ and Larry Nance as well so uh, really cool time to be a Pelicans fan and you know if you haven't seen that interview with Zion go watch it and I I just challenge you not to try and smile because Zion is such a he's such a good guy and it's such you know it's hard to put words to it and you know David Griffin whenever he talks about Zion he gets emotional just because he's such a good person so I think it's good to have him back in the city and you know it's a good time to be a New Orleans sports fan Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles joining us for Who Dat Wednesday. Brendan, appreciate you taking the time, as always, my man. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. See you guys next week. Tune in next week for another edition of Who Dat Wednesdays here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Welcome back. The Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. can help you with your day-night blues. It's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse in Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. The only way to score these great prizes, however, is by joining the Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Sign up today. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, a couple more minutes before we get out here on your Wednesday afternoon. Got a comment from Ralph saying that the challenge should be Miguez versus Meshes. So you should try to eat for a world record of donuts. Hmm. I like a good donut. Especially Meshes donuts. So James, that, that's something I could get behind. I'm sure that is something you'd want to give on. I wouldn't I mind could, it either, but I, I can only eat like maybe two donuts at a time since they're so big. So how 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 long would I get? Ten minutes? I don't know. Uh, just I mean, just in one just in contest. one sitting in one sitting, I guess. Okay, so not a time limit, just in one sitting. Interesting. So it's like if you take like a ten minute break to try and reset, you're done. 
Interesting. Huh. We might have to try that. I'd, <laughs> I'd be interested to see how many I could eat before, you know, I bring it all back up. Anyways, uh want to take this opportunity to thank Chris Murphy from the PGA Tour for joining us, as well as Brendan Ertle joining us each and every Wednesday for Who Dat Wednesday. James Mesh, appreciate everything you do. Have a great rest of your week watching your sister get married. Miga is going to be flying solo for the rest of the week, but have no fear. Still going to bring you great content for Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez saying be safe, be well. Give a hug to your mom and them. Houston Astros coming up at 640 here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, it is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.